Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. It's what could be the biggest week of the fall in Syracuse. Clemson week. And Ian Unsworth, John Eads to my right, here on the FizzCast to break it down for you. The Orange are now 3-3 three and three after two very close and very disappointing losses in ACC play, but a chance to remedy all that on Friday, 7 p.m., ESPN National Television with another Orange alum, Anish Shroff, on the call. But, John, these last two games have been heart-wrenchers for Syracuse, and they've both kind of felt like they've ended up the same way with questionable coaching making the difference. Syracuse is the best 3-3 three and three team in the country, and aside from a couple, like you said, questionable coaching decisions, a couple bad bounces of the ball, Syracuse could easily be 4-2, and 5-1. and one. Now, let's just focus on the present. SU is 3-3, three and three. again, one of the better teams in the ACC still, despite that record. Don't let it fool you. A win over Clemson would make up for those two losses in a big way. So, when it comes to that Wake Forest game... Where, where do you start when it comes to the questionable coaching decisions? There's the third and 23. There's the, the going for two, which, yes, I, I know it's not all Dino's fault, but you have to put some sort of blame on him and Sterling Gilbert for not telling his team to get the heck back out on the field. Uh, I mean, in overtime, you, the, that third down play where Schrader just gets absolutely bull rushed up the middle. And yes, that's also not entirely on the coaching, but... It feels like the play calling and the clock management are two things that are really coming back to kill Syracuse. I think the third and 23 is kind of one you just throw away because Nick Skiba would have easily made that field goal. So I think you do put him in that situation where it's third and a mile, make them make a throw. Now they were making deep throws the entire game and connecting on it, but this is a situation where you're dropping seven, eight guys in the coverage. Now, uh, what you could do then is question the play call on Tony White's part, blitz there instead of dropping into a prevent defense. Yeah, I, I would have preferred that. Yeah, because SU was getting consistent pressure all night, but it's kind of just a what if at this point. What can happen is you, you want to go for two. Dino said this in his postgame presser. He felt that the momentum of the game, or I should say uh, it was on Tuesday actually after the game, he said that SU had all the momentum there. The way Sean Tucker ran that ball into the end zone, I have a good feeling that they were going to give it to him again and just let him win the game for him. Instead, you get a delay game because you're celebrating and, and what have you. That does fall on the coach at a certain point. you got to have your team ready to go, ready to execute. You can't be getting a delay of game in that situation. And I also wonder, why not call a timeout there? You have timeouts at your disposal. This is the play of the game. I think they did have timeouts at that point. I believe they had one, one more. One at least, right? If yeah. not, that, that's fine. Still, you got to get your players ready to go. Kind of rambling on and on here. Like you said, SU, a couple bad coaching uh, decisions and sequences away from being 4-2 and two and 5-1. and one. It's a little inexcusable, but you can make up for it on Friday night. On Friday night with Clemson coming to town, we all know it's not the usual Clemson team. But it still is Clemson. And so... After the last two ACC contests, I feel like everyone in the 315 is sort of on this teeter-totter where you're balancing the it's Clemson, but it's not the usual Clemson, and trying to figure out where this Syracuse team is going to end up on that spectrum. Are they going to get boat raced, or are they going to compete with a team in the Tigers that are drastically underperforming expectations? 
it's still the same Clemson team that has five stars and four stars all over its roster. The problem this year has been execution has been there, and that's to be expected at a certain point. You're seeing the same thing with Alabama. You had so much talent leave last year and go play professional ball. Trevor Lawrence gone, Travis Etienne gone, so you got Bryce Young at Bama. You got DJ, we got to start saying it now, Uyangalale at Clemson, and Travis Etienne's gone as well, so you're breaking a new running back. So there's just been a lot of moving parts and pieces for Clemson this season, and like you said, haven't lived up to expectations. It's kind of a weird team because they have the worst offense in the ACC, but still have the best defense in the ACC. So it's still going to be a formidable test for Syracuse, and they're coming off a bye week. And the bye week is huge for for Dabo Sweeney and company because it's a chance to not only prepare for Syracuse and the dominant rushing attack that the Orange possess, but also the noise in the Loud House, which has come to thwart many teams after it was non-existent in 2020. I think Clemson really has to be ready for something like that because, yes, they've played in some hostile environments, North Carolina State certainly, but there's nothing like the Dome when it really comes down to it. No, and it played a factor in 2019 as well. I know the score was 41-6, to but you were there, I was there. That game could have easily been much closer. What came, what it came down to was Syracuse not converting off turnovers, not converting in the red zone. It's going to be the same story this year. The environment's going to be crazy. The Loud House is going to play a factor. It has in every single game this season, and I don't think that's going to change on Friday night. It's really just going to boil down to execution and if Syracuse can move the football and take advantage of Clemson's mistakes. The other thing I think we have to note about Clemson is that this team with the new quarterback and with new running backs, new pretty much what feels like almost new everything on the offensive end, started the season against what is now the number one team in the country, Georgia, on a neutral site. And what is the best defense in college football, bar none, was going after DJ Uyangalale for a full 60 minutes. And that's just not a confidence boost for a quarterback that's trying to get his legs under him. Yes, he played last year, but it was in sparing duty. And when he had that start against Notre Dame, everything was simplified for him. There was no full control for DJ. Tony Elliott, the Clemson offensive coordinator, scaled things back and made it simple. But now when he's expected to run the full offense, everything's a challenge, especially starting off against Georgia. I don't think Clemson's really recovered from that opening football game. I don't think so either. I mean, he did have a game where he could kind of get going a little bit against South Carolina State, whatever that is, and then a game against Georgia Tech. That one was weird because there was a rain delay, and I don't even, I don't know. Yeah, wasn't that like 14-8 yeah. the final score yes, was? it was really weird. And then you had North Carolina State, his first hostile road environment. I know Georgia was hostile as well, but that was still a neutral site game. And then a Boston College team that's missing Phil Dracovic that hung in there to the last second, had a chance to win the game. But uh, I think it was an interception that Grossell threw the, the BC quarterback. So you get this bye week. Maybe they figured some things out. they got a lot to work on, though, because they've had injuries in the running back room. And the wide receiver room has been nowhere near what I expected it to be entering this season. It's two guys at the top, and that's it. Well, let's start with this offensive personnel groupings. We've already sort of hit on DJ Uyangale, but his stats this year not are, are not very impressive. 793 passing yards, a completion percentage of under 55%, three touchdowns, three interceptions, and he's taken 10 sacks. Those are not numbers you expect from a Clemson quarterback, especially not one that was heralded like Uyangale was coming out of high school in California, a five-star talent, um, Herculean body, massive arm. He looks the part last year, but this year... 
his accuracy has really been all over the place. And it's not like Clemson's asking him to make extremely difficult throws. I just watch these football games, and DJ can't make the simple ones. On top of that, it's not like he doesn't have talent on the outside. Clemson didn't really lose a ton from last year's bunch. Uh, you lost uh, Amari, Amari Rogers. Rogers. But you still have, you get Justin Ross back from injury, Joseph Ngata, a lot of these highly talented guys that were uh, overshadowed last year but are now starting to step into that spotlight. What he has done well is contributed on the ground, though. I will give uh, DJ that, uh, let's see, 100, uh, yeah, 160 yards on the ground there and a pair of touchdowns. So he's chipped in a little bit there. But, yeah, 793 yards through five games. That's something Trevor Lawrence would have done in maybe one and a half, right? So it just hasn't been anywhere near the execution level that uh, Trevor Lawrence had. Now, he was a, he was the first-round pick in the draft, so you expect a little bit of a drop-off, but this is a major drop-off. And I was at ACC Media Days. This guy was getting a ton of attention. Like, you couldn't even be in the same room to ask him a question, the amount of attention he was getting. So I think it's safe to say this is the point. I'm wrapping it up here. He's not living up to expectations so far. I certainly would agree with that. And when it comes to the running back room, DJ's had to contribute because dudes are getting dinged up left and right. Will Shipley, another five-star recruit, probably the consensus best prospect out of the Carolinas in this recruiting class. He's out with an injury. Lynn J. Dixon got hurt. He's in the transfer portal. So the whole running game really falls on the shoulders of Kobe Pace who we saw a little bit last year as ETN's backup, but I just don't think he's accustomed to having that number one role. Yeah, he's not really that guy, and it sucks for Clemson because you had so many options coming into the season. You had Pace, you had Shipley coming in as a freshman. You thought he might contribute a little bit. He actually kind of uh, came, came to the top and was the starter and the go-to guy at one point. Then you had Lynn J. Dixon as well, a guy who's played some meaningful snaps for this team. Now he's gone. Like you said, Shipley's injured, so Kobe Pace is the guy and like I said, I don't think he can be the guy. I don't like what he brings to the table for them. And they're one injury away from having, from having some serious problems in that running back room. So if I'm the Syracuse defense, I wouldn't be too scared of this run game. And the, their backup right now is looking like Darian Wrencher, who's a five foot eight, 195-pound back with, I believe, four carries on the season. Yeah. So, so I am... They got, they got trouble if they have another injury. Absolutely. The receivers, we've kind of touched on them already, but Ngata and Ross are really the guys that I'm watching out for if I'm Syracuse and Tony White. And Tony Elliott, on the other hand, should be looking at the film from Wake Forest and saying, how did the Demon Deeks capitalize? They had better athletes on the outside. Jakari Roberson and A.T. Perry, we were both there in the press box at the Dome. We saw it firsthand. They were just better than Deuce Chestnut and Garrett Williams last Saturday. And that's not an indictment to Williams or Chestnut. Those receivers are just excellent. Mm -hmm. They're both going to go play professionally on Sundays because Roberson is six foot three. He's quick as a gazelle and so good at route running. And Perry is bigger than anyone else. And Ngata and Ross both run extremely well in terms of routes and getting separation. And they both have really solid hands. This is a similar scenario to last week where Syracuse might be outmanned if they throw their corners on islands again. I think Syracuse would be fine. You said Ross and Goddard are the only two guys to look out for. 
Well, they're the only two guys that Clemson is throwing to. Ross has 23 receptions, and Gata has 17. The next guy is Davis Allen. He's a tight end. He has six catches this year. So all the passes are going to Ross and Gata. I think if you're Tony White and you're the Syracuse defense, you can definitely game plan for that. What Syracuse did against Wake Forest was leave their corners on islands. Garrett Williams is great. Deuce Chestnut's really good. But Jason Simmons, a safety? He can't cover one-on-one, -on -one, especially not Jakari Roberson and A.T. Perry, guys that are definitely going to be playing on Sundays in the next couple of seasons. So I think the biggest thing you have to do against Clemson is not put your secondary members in a position to fail. Always leave a safety back. Heck, you can run some more zone. Like we said, this Clemson run game is nothing to be scared of. So now you can drop more guys back. You don't have to be huddled up uh, all you know, all on the defensive line. You don't need to send pressure every single snap. So I think Syracuse defensively is in a great position to dominate this game. I don't know. That's the one point where we I'm really disagreeing with you here because DJ, yes, he's inaccurate. But if he hits on one or two deep balls, things are getting scary. That's my thing, though. Wake only hit on deep balls when it was single coverage, and Tony White's definitely going to see that on film. It was time and time again. If you don't do that, and they only have two receivers, you also have to worry about Taylor Moore and on Wake Forest as well. I, I want I want my guy, uh, I want them to start throwing a Joe a Joe. I need him to get some receptions. You know what I'm saying, though? It's two receivers. You can leave a safety back. Heck, you can leave two safeties back and find something that will work to stop those two because that's all they have. Like yeah, I they, said, they don't have the game. slot guy. Usually Clemson has mm -hmm. a big guy or two on the outside, and then the slot guy as well, whether it's Rod, Amari Rodgers, who we mentioned already, or a Renfro or a Adam Humphreys. They, they don't have that this year. So that's definitely something to look out for. Uh, last but not least, just sort of summing it up, Clemson is averaging 30, 317 total yards per game. Worse than the ACC, 20 points per game. Also worse than the ACC. That's not; Those are not Clemson-esque numbers, and I think that really sums things up when it comes to the totality of it. Yeah, but we haven't talked much about this defense. And I don't, that, that's I don't what I think... was going to say. The defense, yes. on the other hand, is one of the best in the ACC. I'll say it like this. Syracuse is not going to lose this game because of the Clemson offense. We haven't really been able to say that in years past. Now, Clemson's always had a great defense, but they've had Trevor Lawrence. They've had Travis Etienne. They've had prolific talents on the outside as well to catch those footballs. This year... It, this is kind of what my argument was for Syracuse early on in the year. The defense is going to keep Clemson in every single game this year. It's just going to be a matter of if their offense can produce enough to win the game. I think the first one to 10 is going to win this game on Friday night. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. First one to 10. That I, I would have said 20, but I, I, I think Clemson has enough talent to put it together offensively. But with regards to the defense, allowing 305 yards per game, uh, just over four per play, and uh, only have allowed 608 rushing yards yeah. in six games this year. About 100 per game. So that's that's, that's impressive. Yeah. That is impressive, and that's what Syracuse really has to worry about because the linebackers, James Skalski, bail inspector, super experienced. Skalski is, what, a fifth, sixth-year senior? Sixth-year, I believe. He has yeah. been playing a lot of ACC football, and he probably knows – Sterling Gilbert and Dino Babers' system as well as they do. Yeah. And things are not going to be complicated enough or disguised well enough to fool James Skalski and Balen Spector. No. Let's make that very clear. Sterling Gilbert is not going to outthink these dudes, nor is he going to outthink the guy that I personally believe is the best coordinator in college football year in, year out. That's Brent well, Venables. That's why he's the highest paid assistant in the country, right? Yeah. That would that would make a lot of sense. But 
The the defensive line as well does not get enough press. Starting with Brian Brzee, who is he's not he's not playing really. He, he's injured. Yeah, really. Okay, well he's he's, he's yeah. going to be a top five pick yeah, some somewhere point. down the line. But not I was not into this game. Though. I was not aware of that. Yes, I was gonna. I was about to say that actually. That's a pretty big deal because he plays defensive tackle, former number one recruit in the country. I think last year or two years ago, guy is just a space eater and would have been a problem for Syracuse to deal with, but. You don't have to now. So really what this game boils down to, can Syracuse move the ball on the ground? Because as we know, that's all Syracuse can do. If SU can't do that, they're not going to be scoring any points. That's why I think the first one to 10 is going to win this game. I don't know which offense is going to be able to move the football. What helps Syracuse is that Garrett Schrader has shown his ability to get out of the pocket, extend plays, and pick up those key third downs. But with a defense like like Clemson's, it's nothing like all, – all due respect to Wake Forest, they have a great defense as well. But this I, I Clemson, think we, we overhyped Wake's defense. It's, it's, it's still solid, though. But the difference is Clemson has more speed and, like you said, experience with Skalski back in the middle. So I'm not sure that those plays are going to be there. So Sean Tucker's, of course, going to have to play really well, and SU's going to have to get something going in the passing game. They've shown flashes, but consistent, consistent yardage. I can't. I really can't believe that Sean Tucker had the day he did last year, all things considered, because Clemson had to know with Rex Culpepper at quarterback that the the Orange really had no passing game. This year, it's you can double down on the Orange having no passing game, especially. Well, this will be the second straight year without Tosh Harris. Uh, I mean, there there you kind of go. I mean, it's going to be Courtney Jackson and Anthony Queeley, if anybody, trying to get that orange air attack going we saw Luke Benson catch a pass last week and then they ran the exact same play and lost yardage on it so I I really don't know what to expect from Syracuse's passing game I don't think I don't think it's going to develop I hate to say it but I don't think it's going to develop because I'm not sure Sterling Gilbert has enough at least in his bag to make this offense functional through the air there just needs to be more execution and I wrote this in my stock up stock down article I'm stock up on Devon Cooper who again is the UTEP and Arizona transfer he's playing in the slot now uh, with Jackson and he gets in there and and Trevor Pena too right uh, on the four wide set so those two guys have a lot of potential what Cooper needs to do is catch the ball he gets a ton of targets yeah especially on second and mediums third and mediums that could move the chains but he's not catching the football. If he starts to do that, and SU can move the ball with those short little passes, nickel and diming, it takes a little bit of stress off that running game. So I think if that happens, the offense will click a little bit more. We'll be talking about this passing game a little bit more in a better light. Yeah, he has dropped, I think he dropped like two, maybe even three slants last yeah. week. And he's going to draw that number three, number four cover guy every single third down. So I agree with you that Devon Cooper is a guy that Syracuse should be trying to get the ball to a bit more. I'd also just like to see a bit more disguise out of the formation because it's pretty simple when you just have Schrader and Tucker in the backfield to key in on key in on people. But what about putting Courtney Jackson yeah, in the backfield and say. motioning him out yeah. or bringing guys across the formation or running the pistol with Tucker next to Schrader and then a wide receiver behind or Put Elmore next to Schrader. Whatever it may be. They had Elmore in the slot for one play. I did see that. (laughs) Yeah, but mix up the formations overall and just make things more complicated because Brett Venables is going to sniff out the simple stuff. I've made made the point already. I don't have to bang it again. it's, It's not going to be easy if Syracuse runs their vanilla high school offense. Well, think about how Syracuse won the game in 2017. You had a couple of broken plays. 
And then you also had Eric Dungy just moving the chains just barely. But time and time again, Schrader can do the same thing. So I don't think it's going to be a pretty Mona Lisa-type football play concept drawing it up. It's just going to be kind of a backyard brawl. Get every yard you can and score as many points as you can. That's just kind of how it's going to be Schrader 10 bro- yards at a time. Yeah, Schrader broke Dungy's rushing record against Wake Forest. Yeah, he's going to – I'm I'm concerned. I'm not going to lie. He's getting 30 carries a game. They're not all designed either. Tucker's no, getting about 30. You bring Cooper Lutz in, he fumbles on his second carry. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Oh we we don't gosh. have to get into that, but that was ridiculous. Point uh, is, I'm just concerned with the load that both of them are carrying, and I think it's at some point it's gonna, you know, it has to come back to back to earth at some point. Whether that be an injury, I hope not. Whether that be an injury though, or a defense like Clemson just stifling this offense altogether. We we talked about it a lot last year with Tucker. How much can he handle as a freshman? He was nicked up. He he was banged up last year. I, last game before Lutz fumbled, he took himself out of the ball game, and he he put on a really solid run. He broke a couple tackles, got a first, but then took himself out of the ball game. And the same thing comes with Schrader. Wake couldn't tackle him because he's just a mammoth. He's six four two thirty. He is a load to bring down. But at the same time, Clemson's athletes are going to be equivalent to anything Schrader's seeing. So that is definitely a worry. And while it's it's something that shouldn't be in the forefront of Babers or Gilbert's mind when it comes down to winning time. It's something that we sitting here analyzing things and, you know, looking at the crunching numbers three days after the game, you have to wonder about it once Syracuse gets into the stretch of the season and it's bowl time. I do just want to point out, though, before we get into predictions and betting lines, I don't think Clemson's played a quarterback or at least a one-two punch combo in the run game this season, like the one that Syracuse had. This this is the best one-two punch yeah. in the ACC when it comes to running the football. Like, think about it. They haven't played a quarterback as mobile as Garrett Schrader. I mean, NC State, Devin Leary. Who, who's in. South Carolina State got I, back there? I don't know. But maybe they're a mobile quarterback, but they're not as talented as Garrett Schrader. I mean, I would assume. And there's no Sean Tucker as well. Georgia Tech, Jeff Sims. But that game was kind of wonky. I don't really want to put a lot of stock in that one. BC, Dennis Grossell. They do have Travis Levy in the backfield. And Pat Garwo, I think his name is. They, they got a pretty good running back staple there as well. Georgia, JT Daniels in the running back room they have there. Point is, I don't think Clemson's seen, nor have they been tested like I think they will be on paper, that is, the way Garrett Schrader and Sean Tucker will. So we'll see. That's something to keep in mind. Time to get into the predictions. Jades is up 6-5 to five after he had Syracuse covering. Uh, we both took the under. That The game obviously went over. Um, yeah, it, it was way over. So with Clemson, Tigers are a 13.5-point favorite, and the over-under point total is 44. Seems pretty darn low, but as we've thoroughly covered, this is a game that's going to be a rock fight in terms of who can get the ball in the end zone. For Syracuse, in my opinion, one key, just keep the ball away from Clemson, all things considered. I'm worried about that big playability. It hasn't been there, but it could be. It's too, the potential is too scary. So if Syracuse can move the ball on the ground, eat up the clock, I think the Orange have a solid chance to maybe win outright. So I'm obviously going to take them with the points. Yep, that's I don't really understand this line. I'm not gonna lie, thirteen and a half is it's it's whew. big it's big name bias. Yeah, it, that's plain and simple big name bias. And SU's five and one against the spread. I will Clemson's zero and five against the spread. Wow, big it's the big name bias. This happens a lot. I feel like as we've we've scrolled through. 
uh, Action Network this year, you just see a lot of, of big-name schools getting undue uh, undue credit from Vegas. So mm-hmm. that's I'd jump all over Syracuse um, plus almost two touchdowns. As for the point total, it's really tough to take the under. It is a really tough game to take the under because you figure one big quarter, overtime, something like that, and you're sunk. But I'm going to do it. I'm taking the under. Yeah. Do you have a score prediction? Or do you- score prediction? I'm going to say... I, I got to make sure my math adds up. I'm going to say 21-17 Clemson. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I was thinking. I'm taking Syracuse uh, to, to cover as well, plus 13.5. I think there's some good value in the money line as well, plus 425. That, yeah, that'll, like, get, that'll get you your beer money for the night. Like, yeah, Syracuse is definitely going to cover that. I think they could win this game as well. Now, I'm not going to pick it. I have Clemson winning 24-20 to 20 just coming in underneath that 44.5, which would be the under. Um, I think there's a couple of big plays, whether that be a Justin Ross catch or a Kobe Pace run on the ground. And then for Syracuse, I don't know. I, uh, I, I'm I just not sure how this offense is going to move the football with, with the way Clemson's playing defense this year, especially against the run. So 24-20 Clemson, barn, barn, uh, barn burner. There's one more thing we just haven't talked about at all. It just hit me. Special teams. Yeah. James Williams, after having a great first game against Ohio, has not been good. He has not been good, plain and simple. I don't know if it was an injury or what his deal was. Now, I will say this. We were both there, so we saw the hang time and stuff. The hang time's there. The distance is the not. The distance is not there. Plus, he shanked one. The fr- it was the first punt. Yeah. He came back in into the game after not playing against Wake Forest. Um, and no disrespect to Colby Parker or Ian Hawkins, but th- they should not be punting. And James Williams comes in the game and shanks the first punt. And there were two other uh, occasions where he was punting from the back of the SU end zone, and that's not really on him. But Wake started at yeah, the Syracuse, 30. like, yeah, 35. Was, yeah. you, you just cannot have that. So that's my other issue with SU in this game. Plus, Andre Schmidt has been a little inconsistent. Yeah, he's been well, shaky. So, so I, I, I don't really trust Syracuse's special teams. And it's not something you say often. It's something you've never really said in the past couple of years with regards to the, uh, the orange units, especially when it comes to punting. But I, I don't trust Syracuse's special teams, and you know Clemson's going to have that that sort of stuff cleaned up. I put Andre Schmidt in the stock down category. I never thought in a million years that would happen. But, yeah, Clemson's going to have a good punt returner. I'm not sure who it would be, but you, you can't uh, afford to give them great starting field position for one, but also hang one up there and, and allow him to, to get good field position, maybe even score. But to that point, I will say Syracuse defensively on the special teams, coverage-wise, been very solid. No, they've been, they've so. been good. That's, the coverage units I'm not worried about. Yeah. It's it's just the guys kicking the purely the specialists, yeah. yeah, who sometimes can be head cases. I hope that's not what we're getting into here because that could put Syracuse into a long and miserable season if we're going to keep seeing these one-possession games. But we both have it being one-possession this week in favor of Clemson. We're both taking Syracuse to cover. And we both have the under just barely. I'm taking it 21-17. Jeeds, 24-20, both in favor of the Tigers. That'll wrap up the FizzCast for this week as the Orange take on Clemson on Friday night, 7 p.m. kick, ESPN national coverage. For my buddy John Eads, I'm Ian Unsworth. Thank you so much for tuning in, and always, go Orange.